Beautiful music. Beautiful music. Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. We've been swapping stories, you and I. Stories of encounters, events, decisions, crises. And those stories are the important narrative of our lives into which we weave the faith we've been singing about. Faith in Christ who is the cornerstone. I have thousands of words to share with you, but you cannot bear them all now. (laughs) (laughs) So, I wanted to go to a passage of Scripture very familiar to us this morning because I wanted to talk to you about the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' longest and most famous sermon. So, I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 7. I'm reading out of the NIV. It is the conclusion to his sermon, which is three chapters long. And I would encourage you again to read the entire sermon. If it's been a while since you've read this wonderful passage of Scripture. But our Lord Jesus, no one like him in all the earth, Christ alone is Lord, wraps up his message, the Sermon on the Mount, with these words starting in verse 24 of Matthew 7. Therefore, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Thus does Jesus end his long remarks in the Sermon on the Mount. One o'clock yesterday morning, my older brother Tim and his wife were sitting down in the hallway of their house. They live in central Texas. And a tornado warning had been issued. They lost power. The tornado hit Richland Springs, which was four miles away, and also went over their home tore off a section of the roof, broke four windows, and a sheet of metal from the roof flew into the windmill, which is a working windmill on their ranch. The wind caught it and jerked that windmill out of the ground and smashed it down on top of the cistern and the wash house. They're fine, though. Tim and Dorinda are fine, and when I called them yesterday... They were putting things back together. 
Their two sons were helping them put tarps on the roof and things like that. See, the storms come, right? Whether you're here waiting on Alberto or whether you're in central Texas in a tornado warning, the storms come. And if you've not experienced them, you will. They're coming. So Jesus wraps up his longest sermon by talking about storms, high winds, and high water. And saying, can you endure them because they are coming? When we built this building, I told the engineers, I've got one request. When I stand right here, I don't want to be able to feel the train or hear the train. All right? (laughs) That's it. I don't want to feel it or hear it. So I've been preaching in this spot for these 14 years. And I cannot feel the train or hear the train when I'm right here. Now, you might be able to see the train through those windows. But they decided to put the pilings of this building 130 feet deep. So that's the first thing they did. We put $3 million underneath this building. Drove the pilings 130 feet deep. And then they poured pile caps on those pilings. And the largest pile cap is right under me. It is a block the size of your living room. All right? This building does not shake or sway. And when the storm comes along, it's a very strong structure. Now, before they poured this pile cap over which I stand, we put the book at the bottom. And you know, when I address you, I talk to you out of this book. We open the book. We look at the word. Why? Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it did not fall. Jesus wants you to live the blessed life. I left the toll booth on the other side of the causeway, had to pay $9. I had $7 out. He said, that's not enough. You got four axles with that trailer. All right, so I dug around. Janet and I found nine bucks. We gave it to him. And as I was pulling away, he said, have a blessed day. (laughs) Now, I like the language, have a blessed day. It's, It's a little bit different than have a good day. Because blessings come from somebody else. We don't usually use the term blessed to talk about blessing ourselves. 
When we say we've been blessed, we're usually talking about a third party, somebody else who blesses us. And when we use it in this context, have a blessed day or I've been blessed, we are generally using it theologically like Jesus used the word as he introduced this sermon of which we've read the conclusion, all right? Blessed are you meek, for you will inherit the earth. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. These are the Beatitudes with which Jesus begins the sermon, ending it with this foundation does not shake in the storm. I am astonished when I read Jesus as he speaks these words first to peasants on a hillside, people who have nothing, little education, little resources, little influence in their world. And he says to them in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt, not of the plate, not of the meat. You're the salt of the earth. And lest we should confine salt of the earth to some metaphor that is small, he then says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus, what are you talking about? I'm just a wife and mother who works at the house and draws water from the well. How can I be salt and light in the world? Jesus is pulling us toward the potential for greatness that is in each of us as we make the wise decision to build on the foundation which is him. See, building on this foundation that he talks about here, these words of mine, building on them means hearing and acting, putting into practice. Building on this, your potential for influence in the world to be light and salt is just unlimited. God in you is not limited by your limitations. God in you is not limited by your resources. The Holy Spirit goes beyond you to do things that you could not do yourself. So one of the words I want to leave you with is the word that Jesus shared. Go ahead and experience your full potential in Christ. Build on the foundation. Be the salt and light he's called you to be. Now, from the beginning to the end of the sermon, Jesus keeps saying, you make choices. You make choices. And those choices are vitally important to who you are and what you do. The salt, you see, can lose it's savor. And if it loses its savor, it's good for nothing. It's good for nothing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
Jesus is saying to me and to you, you're the salt of the earth. Don't lose your savor. What does that mean? You're the salt of the earth. Don't forget who you are or whose you are. In every decision, in every moment, in the journey of your life, don't forget who you are and whose you are. Build on my words, practice them. That's the foundation that makes you salty. You're the light of the world. Yes, you are. It's a declaration. It's an observation. It's a challenge. You're the light of the world. But you could if you wanted to. You could decide to bury your light, to put it under a bushel. People do that. People do that. They say they know Jesus. They say they follow Jesus. But they lose their savoriness. They lose their light. They cover it up. See, the blessed life is not only about you being salt and light, but it's you maintaining your saltiness and letting your light shine out into your world. The great potential you have is that in following Christ as you are salty and let your light shine everywhere, that God works through you to transform people and individuals in your world. I hope you will pray the prayer, God, let me be the salt and light you intend for me to be. Be a wise person, not a fool. It's about choices that you make, decisions that you make. The wise person built on the rock, but he could have been a fool. He could have built on something else. Jesus talks about false prophets in his sermon. He wants us to know, hey, there are other folks going to talk to you. You'll see them on TV. You'll see them on podcasts. They're going to tell you they got the secret to life. They're going to tell you that. They're going to tell you that's the foundation you ought to build your life on. I tell you, that President Maduro in Venezuela, I think that man's going to have a very hot place in hell one day. I love Venezuela. I spent a month in Venezuela. I love the people but it was 40 years ago in a time when they were flourishing. And now that population is decimated, the economy is decimated, and these thieves who run it are enjoying just whatever they want at the expense of millions of people. And I read about him and I think, gosh, he tells them on TV all these things. You shall know them, Jesus said, by their fruit. You're going to know them by their fruit. These people are going to talk to you. And they're going to say to you, hey, I got the secret to life. If you'll just do this and that, man, it'll work out great for you. And Jesus says, you know them by their fruit. Okay? 
You identify their words. You evaluate their words by the fruit of their life. Good tree didn't bring forth bad fruit, Jesus said. And a bad tree can't bring forth good fruit. So by their fruit, you will know them. There's always that decision, you know. Jesus knows, hey, there's other people saying other things. And that's true today, isn't it? Why should you listen to Jesus? After all, he's just one prophet among many, right? Why pay attention to him? I mean, he's a man who lived in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. Who cares what he said? You can choose something else. I love that verse where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. I think about that often. See, we've put all our eggs in the Jesus basket. (laughs) That's what these, these boys that were baptized, that's what they're saying in their baptism. They go under the water because they are all in with Jesus. Right? They're completely covered up. They are trusting him and him alone. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We are Jesus' people who have made the confession, Jesus is Lord. But hearing it, is not enough. Hearing it is not enough. You got to build your house on it. Okay? James, the half-brother of Jesus, he wrote and said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. In other words, there are people who hear the word, maybe read the word. They know the word, but they have not built their life on the Word. Everyone who hears these words of mine and, the and is important, and puts them into practice. That's the wise man. I had a girlfriend when I was 15. Her name was Peggy, and she was Purdy. I guess we sort of hung out together maybe for a month and then went our separate ways. And I didn't see her for decades. And I was moseying around in a clothing store, just kind of, and I come around a corner, and here's this woman. I guess by then we were 50 or older. And she looks at me and she says, David Crosby. I thought, who are you? <laughs> I'm Peggy. Wow. <laughs> Woo! 
And she said, you're looking at a fool. I guess she had so messed up her life with poor decisions that when she saw me with all this intervening history, that's what occurred to her. I mean, when we were 15, we were going to church together. We were praying together. We were singing the songs of faith and living the life of faith. And we went our separate ways completely, apparently, in 180 degrees. And I came around that clothing rack, and she says to me, David. And then she says, you're looking at a fool. I hope that's not you. I hope that's not you 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, because it could be you. That's why Jesus says, don't lose your saltiness. Don't cover up your light. That's why Jesus says at the conclusion of the sermon, be wise, not a fool. People who know, people who hear, people who read the word sometimes end up at the end saying, I've been a fool. And why? Because I did not put into practice what I heard from the word, what I learned at church, what my Sunday school teacher taught me, what my parents tried to tell me, what my grandparents tried to tell me. I never lived it out. I, I quit. I went my own way. And now, these years later, you're just looking at a fool. And a fool in the Bible is somebody who builds their life on anything besides God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. No God for me. Other people can do that religious stuff. They can have, go that way, but not me, man. I'm going to do it my way. And you end up being the fool who built his house on the sand. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Do you feel how weighty, how important it is that you not only hear these words, but you do them? Do them. My father built a rock house on Easy Way in El Paso, actually outside of El Paso, in a little community called Montoya, which has since just exploded in population over these 60 years. I go by and that house is still there. He built it entirely out of rock. He went into the arroyas and he gathered the, the gravel from the arroyas and he turned them into the concrete that he poured everywhere and the foundation and the pilings that he built in that rocky place. As a boy, I'd take the gravel and I'd sift it and we'd create the sand with which he made the mortar that cemented those rocks together. And he was a strong man. He didn't use just little boulders. I've seen rocks up there where it had to be above his head to lift them up that must have weighed 100 pounds as he put that stone house together. 
And I have a feature in my flesh that reminds me of my father's work and of the foundation of that stone house that still stands. I got this pinky stuck in the gears of the cement mixer when I was five years old. And if you want to come down and see it, I'll show you the scar on that little pinky when it went through those iron gears. Yeah, that hurt. (laughs) That was not a good moment, all right? But it reminds me of a couple of things. We were pouring the slab for that house, making it load by load out of that cement mixer that Dad had. It reminds me of the foundation that we poured. And it reminds me of my father who let me work beside him when I was a little boy and taught me so many things growing up. If you will build your house on this foundation, you will have some scars. You will experience the storms. The floods will come and the winds will blow. And there will be stories that you tell. But when you tell them, you will remember the foundation that you laid as you heard and practiced the word of Christ. And you will remember the Father who will be with you for every step of your journey. You remember how he loves you and cares for you and helped you through the difficult times of your life. And your wounds will tell you, I have a good, good father. And he loves me. So Jesus said, build your life on this foundation. And when the storm comes, your house will stand. Bow with me, please. Maybe you've been thinking about this very thing, wondering if perhaps you shouldn't trust Jesus as Savior. Go to him for the forgiveness of your sin and receive him as Lord. This could be a moment for you when you make the wisest choice that any man ever made, a choice to follow Christ, to drop the other things that hold you back and distract you, and to become in deed and in word a follower of Jesus, fully committed unto him as Lord. Would you just pray in your heart, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. Please forgive me for trusting in other things. I believe that you are the Savior, that you died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And I give you my life today. I want to build on the rock. Would you make that prayer? If your salt had lost its savor or light 
that's gone down to a tiny flicker. Would you say, Lord, forgive me for wasting the truth I've known, not living it out, for poor decisions I've made. Draw me closer, Lord. I want to be yours. I want my light to shine. God, we pray today through your Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Give us guidance and direction. Draw. Draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.